Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Kelly Hall, a 2014 graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. In this episode, you'll learn how Kelly's identity as a fun, bubbly, outgoing woman was challenged from day one at the Academy, how she eventually found ways to express this side of her personality in a male-dominated industry while also being respected for her many strengths as an officer and a leader, and how this journey ultimately led her to become the first runner-up at Miss California while also maintaining her career in the Navy. If you've struggled with finding outlets to express the more feminine and creative sides of your personality, this is the episode for you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Yes. uh, Woof, Navy brat, so kind of from everywhere. Um, But I predominantly lived in Stafford, Virginia, up until I went to the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, and I'm a 2014 graduate. Nice. So you didn't go too far from home. Virginia, nope, so at least. Hop, skip, and a jump over to Annapolis. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, to start, can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are today? Yeah, I, you know, I'm a naval officer, but I definitely, I don't feel like that defines me completely. I'm very multi-passionate. I've now gotten myself involved in the last five years as a model professionally, um, an entrepreneur with photography, a contestant in the Miss USA system. I was first runner up at Miss California USA. um, And now I'm also a fellow podcast host. So just a real advocate to show women that there are ways to be diverse and, you know, spread your individuality in the Navy. Um, But I'm still active duty. I'm stationed here in Los Angeles, California, um, and I'm in charge of a fourth of recruiting here in LA. Love it. I love it. I love that you got your hands in all these different pots and you're expressing Mm -hmm. yourself in a variety of ways. And yes, a lot of different ones for sure. Keeps me busy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll, we'll definitely get to all of that, but let's go back to the beginning. Uh, When you were deciding where to go to college, uh, what made you choose a service Mm -hmm. academy and what made you specifically choose the Naval Academy? Yeah. So, you know, this journey, it's, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, You know, even though it was 10 years ago for me now, 11, actually, I, you know, I did not want to go to the Naval Academy. I didn't want anything to do with the Navy. My dream was to go to NYU. I wanted to go to NYU and be a journalism major. And I loved Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen as a kid. And they went to NYU and like, that's where I was going to go. And I was going to be really cute and trendy. But my parents, you know, they, they're the puppet masters. They had a plan. And so they started, they were like, that's great, Cal, but we're going to send you to track and cross country camp at the Naval Academy every year. So, um, I was a bit of a track prodigy when I was a kiddo. And so they started sending me to camps and, you know, once a summer I was going there in the, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, but with absolutely no interest still had this big idea of going to New York, going to Columbia, something like that, until I found out that they don't take scholarships. Now, mind you, I had no money for college. So I was like, what the heck? Like, you know, how am I going to pay for school? They don't have, you know, D1 track teams, things like that. So with that, I started looking at schools that were actually taking scholarships. I was getting recruited by Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU, and the Naval Academy, because I knew the coach at that point. She remembered me from, from cross-country camp every single year, and it was still not really on my radar. But as I was going to all these college visits my senior year in high school, you know, they started blending together. Um, the only difference was Mississippi State seemed super cool because they all used cowbells at the game. Like, I was like, oh, okay. But all in all, like, fancy locker rooms, fancy uniforms, Um, special services for student athletes, cool dorms, you know, that sort of thing, but nothing really different than school colors and mascots. So uh, my very last visit was the Naval Academy in November. And I remember going on campus and thinking like, oh, I'm going to go have fun in college. Like I don't, I don't need the Naval Academy. 
And immediately it was different. Like the students acted different. They looked different. The professors were different. The class sizes were different. The discipline was different. Just the motivation was in the air, the way people carried themselves. And I thought, wow, like this is a completely different experience than I've had in any college visit so far. And I was just really, really impressed. You know, I've been a Navy brat my whole life, but actually going into the Navy is something that really has to come from within first. So um, essentially my very last day there, I spoke with the, the track captain and I was like, what made you decide the Naval Academy? And she was like, you know what? I, I was between Penn State and the Naval Academy and I knew what my life would look like if I chose Penn State. You know, it'd be very traditional, but I didn't know what it looked like going to the Naval Academy. This was something that was very unknown and really challenging and really hard. And I knew that if I didn't choose the Naval Academy, I'd always look back on my life and wonder what if. And five years from now, 10 years from now, I would still think, what if? What if I'd gone into the Navy? What if I'd gone to the Naval Academy? So she's like, I had to do it. I had to go to the Naval Academy. It was the harder, challenging decision, but... It's exactly where I needed to be. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, crap. Now I have to go to the Naval Academy. <laughs> so <laughs> never looked back after that. I got my acceptance about a month later and I just knew it. And 1000% she was correct in every sense of the word. I've never looked back on my life and wondered what if. Um, it was definitely challenging. It was hard, but it was so worth it. And it has paid off in every area of my life. So mm. that is why I chose the Naval Academy. I love it. I'm curious uh, what your parents said when you started telling them that you were interested and when you got in and all that stuff. Oh, they were thrilled. Because they <laughs> like that was their master plan. They were like, slowly but surely, like she'll buy into it. And I was like, no, I'm feminine and I like cute clothes and no one at the Naval Academy cares about fashion. And I mean, I was worried up until literally the day before I left. I was like, everyone's going to think I'm weird because I'm not a robot. I have a personality. I'm quirky. I'm funny. I'm fashionable. And my mom was like, you're going to find your person. I promise you will. You will make friends. Little did I know it would literally be my roommate at the Academy and my best friend. Um, she was my person all throughout <laughs> the Academy. But, but yeah. And you know, I think from there, that's what started forging this path of staying true to myself, but also deciding to serve and realizing that those things can go hand in hand. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because you started out by saying you wanted to go to NYU or mm -hmm. Columbia. And, you know, I can see how that lifestyle coming. I'm from New York, so I can see yeah. how, yeah, I can see how that lifestyle would appeal to that other side of your personality, a lot mm. of creative expression and journalism. So, so what was the plan going into the Naval Academy? Did you, how did you feel about that military component? So my plan, which is funny, life changes obviously, but um, since I was in the fourth grade, I wanted to be an anchor on the Today Show or just an anchor on a morning show specifically. So my plan was journalism, broadcast journalism, TV. I was always involved in media growing up, um, did the school news, all of that. And, and then when I decided Navy, I said, okay, how is this going to fit into my plan? So I thought, you know, I'll go to the Naval Academy. I'll later become a public affairs officer. And then those skills are going to be very applicable to that career in journalism or broadcast journalism. Um, and I was like, but initially that won't be the plan. Like, cause you can't go there and graduate and become a public affairs officer. You have to be a line officer first, a service warfare officer, a pilot, all of that. Um, so I was like, you know what? I will go there knowing it's a 10 year plan. Um, but eventually I'll get a public affairs gig and then eventually I'll get out of the Navy and I'll be more competitive in the civilian world because I've mm. already done that job in the Navy. So it was kind of a long-term plan, but Thank God I did it because so many kids, they go into college just really not even knowing what their plan is. Um, and that's dangerous, especially if you're going to college and you're blowing money. Mm -hmm. Like I would rather go to a service academy knowing just being at the academy makes me competitive, but then getting a degree from there, networking there, graduating from there, and then being a naval officer 
boom. And the first six years out of, you know, how to high school, you've already acquired all these skills that are making you massively competitive to anyone in your age group. Um, like who, who really knows what they're doing at 21? You know, no one. Uh, so you might as well be serving your country, getting all those skills, gaining all those skills. And then eventually that's going to start fitting into what you're doing. So now I'm 28 and I really squeeze the Navy for all it's worth to start fitting into my career path and what I want to do. Totally. Yeah. There's, it, it gives you an incredible foundation. Incredible. Um, yes. Okay. So, but again, I'm curious because in high school, I'm assuming you were similar to you are the way you are now, very bubbly, but like an, an expressive and positive <laughs> and a lot of personality. Thanks. And, um, so how did everybody else, all your friends and the, the teachers and stuff, how did they feel when you told them that that's what you wanted to do? It was very 50-50 because anyone who knows me deeper than service level, they know my discipline, my motivation, my drive. I was class president every year in high school. Um, just always wanting to serve, make a big difference, make a big splash wherever I go. Um, and I knew my path wouldn't be conventional. So going to a service academy, they were like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> You're probably going to be president yeah. one day. So like go to the Naval Academy. Um, JFK went there, like, you know, all these different things or John McCain, excuse me. So they weren't shocked, but the people who didn't know me quite as well, they were like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Um, but you know, I had a sister that was older than me that had done the process in the Naval Academy and another sister who was already enlisted in the Navy. My father has been in the Navy now for 30 years. I wasn't a stranger to it. So mm -hmm. I actually have more respect for those who go into the Naval Academy, like my best friend, Jackie, my roommate, without any background or family member or anything like that. And like, they just plunge right into the Navy. I'm like, wasn't this terrifying to you? <laughs> um, but yeah, that exposure early on helped me be more sure of myself and um, realized it was like, it was going to be a great opportunity for me, even though some people kind of questioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so, so was getting in a struggle for you? <sighs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I took the SAT seven times. Wow. Seven times. Yeah. And you know, I think that the admission board recognized that fact. It showed tenacity. In every other way, I feel like I was pretty competitive, great GPA, class president, varsity track and cross country, community service, blah, 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 all the things that you need, right? But the thing for me was my SAT score. It wasn't competitive enough. It was just very average. You have to have all those things to be competitive for a service academy. So um, I got my blue chip athlete mark on my like on my paperwork that I was being recruited. And then I took the SAT seven times and that actually ended up being, um, like one of my most famous top five answers at Miss California USA this past year, they asked me about standardized testing. Mm -hmm. And if I think that you should go away from it. And I was like, you know what? I took the SAT seven times to get into the Naval Academy. And I do think that that taught me tenacity and persistence and it paid off. So I think every, every student should evaluate just how much they want it if they want that, to go there. That is so random that that's the question they asked you. <laughs> that is so random. I know. I was like, of course this is the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. But you did eventually get in obviously. Um, and so, so tell me about that transition. How was, how was it when you showed up for, uh, for plebe summer? the most challenging transition of my life. Very much so. I mean, it was, it completely pivoted my entire mindset and what was considered normal prior to going into the academy. I didn't realize, looking back now, the challenges that I faced as a 17-year-old entering the service academy were going to parallel the same challenges that I would experience later. Um, but I face them right away. You know, most kids face them when they are senior in college or when they enter the workforce for the first time. But it was really first my stature and my identity. I definitely felt like because I was 5'2 and I looked like I was 13 <laughs> going into the Naval Academy, 
Um, I mean, I was immediately targeted. I day, boom, this tiny little woman, like, you know, detailers screaming, yelling, but I had an idea that that was going to happen. So I just stuck to my guns. You know, I deserve to be there. I'm physically fit. I'm smart. I'm bright. They can yell at me all that they want to, but they're not going to break me. So I've been warned that that being so small and being a woman, I'd probably have a slight target on my back. That wasn't what I cared about because you know what, by day four, you take your physical fitness assessment and I was a truck group. They didn't know that I was recruited to run cross country and track. So I outrun, outran like 95% of the guys in my company because mm-hmm. I was a track recruit. So immediately that physical fitness is so correlated to respect. They, I mean, they stopped really giving me a hard time. And I think that that really opened their eyes to like, oh, she's five too, but like, damn, she's physically fit, you know? Um, and then I was loud and I was motivated. The challenge for me was my identity, being bubbly, being feminine, being girly. You're not wearing makeup when you first arrive, right? You're in your boot camp, your plebe summer. So everyone kind of looks like a troll and has their ingrown eyebrows and, you know, you've got a crazy acne going on. You can't wear makeup. Um, can't shave your legs. You no, can't. you're just like, I looked in the mirror at one point and I was like, ew, <laughs> I'm so gross. Um, but I was like, it's okay. It's going to be a real duckling to swan story someday when I can <laughs> wear makeup again. Um, but through that, I mean, I was told on the very first day I arrived like say la vie femininity if you wear makeup you're not going to be taken seriously as a leader real naval officers don't wear makeup and um this was like detailers had pulled some of the females aside and had said this and i was like what like yeah. why is that what you're focusing on right away and like i said pleep summer was eight weeks long so about two months before really anyone saw the way i had originally carried myself but I mean, I had always been feminine. In high school, I wore heels every single day. And then I would pop them off and I'd put on my track shoes. Um, You know, I would wear blazers to my tests because I wanted to feel professional and focused and always very trendy. You know, I had loved the New York fashion and things like that. So it's like, why is this what they're harping on immediately? And it continued all the way through the academy. I mean, people that just kept saying like, you know, people are going to look at you differently. They're not going to respect you as much. And I was like, I am just as much of a hard worker with or without makeup on. That's not going to change who I am as a leader. I'm going to care. And that was, that was such a small minor thing that eventually led to my junior year, our second class year. So I'm not sure how it was at your service Academy, but you get ranked by your peers, you get ranked by your app upperclassmen on performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that eventually goes into like your overall, overall cuper. So like your GPA. Um, so my first two years of the Academy, you don't wear civilian clothes. So you're really just wearing a uniform every day, doing the best you can. Um, I was ranked number one during plebe summer out of everyone else. I was ranked first in my company and you know, I was just this a little girl with no makeup and scraggly hair spreading through the woods, super motivated. And then by my junior year, my second class year, I started wearing civilian clothes. So I was wearing, you know, cute heels and skirts and things like that on the weekends and doing my hair and my makeup. My class ranking dropped to the twenties and the comments that correlated with that was the word vain. And by the time I graduated the Academy, I had received 26 veins comments in my, um, my review from peers. And this is something that my, my best friend and my roommate from the Academy and I are so passionate about because nothing changed, nothing changed except my exterior, the way I carried myself, the more makeup I put on wearing cute clothes on the weekends. I was probably a better leader by, you know, my second class and first year so more sure of myself. I was competent. I was smarter. I had confidence. Um, and you know what? I decided then and there that I still wasn't going to change. I still, you know, I was still the same person. And there are women out there who feel like they do need to strip themselves of their natural identity or their hobbies because people are going to mock them or attack them, or it's just not typical, you know, or men aren't, men aren't going to take orders from women who are wearing lipstick. And you know what? Eventually, my, my senior chiefs, my chiefs, my sailors, they learned too. 
They mm. learned who they were dealing with. So mm. that, that was, it was a building process from the service academy to now learning those little lessons because just because you look different or you are different or you act different or your leadership style is different does not mean you still have the capability to lead 100%. So I learned that my very first day at the Academy and I still learn it to this day, 10 years later. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's really rough though. Cause it's already hard in an Academy and then to have your identity challenged even further that's well, that's what I was saying to you about how like you're this bubbly person, you're this really expressive personality. And uh woof. Thanks. <laughs> it, it, but it seems like they picked up on that right away and just honed in on you. Um right. all right. Well, given everything you just shared, um, if you had to sum up your time at the academy in one word, what would it be? Um transformative, probably. Mm. I think even though I innately have always stayed true to who I am, I've still transformed. I mean, I am not the same person that walked in 10 years ago through those doors to the person I am now. Um, I've really learned to celebrate the things that make me different. I've learned to celebrate my personality, um, the challenges that I've faced. And now I know if I don't do it. There are so many other women who are either entering the Navy or thinking about entering the Navy who need someone to spearhead that movement for them because yeah. they're afraid to do it themselves. And I, I mean, I'm absolutely so proud of being an Academy graduate. I would do it all over again because it has created this thick skin for me. It's made me smarter and sharper. And I mean, I can't think of any other kind of school that would have transformed me the way the Naval Academy did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really a challenge to be able to express yourself in an environment that's working so hard to make you uniform. Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that you figured that out for yourself um, is huge. And I can tell you as a woman that went through a service Academy, that having an example of that, would have been extremely helpful for me mm-hmm. personally. I, I all I remember about like feminine expression at the academy were these meetings where you get all the females together and you learn how to tie your hair in a bun and wear mm-hmm. curls. And I, to be honest, I never went to any of them because I was like, I don't want to be singled out as a mm-hmm. woman in this weird way. And it just, it just their whole approach didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But so it's good. I like your mission. I think yeah. it, I think it's necessary and needed. I agree. I think um, if, if I had had that, you know, but then again, maybe if I had had that representation when I was younger, I may not be as fiery or stubborn as I am now. <laughs> exactly. It was obviously your path, you know, your, your calling. So, um, Thank you. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so, so let's dive into a little bit of the uh, the highlights of your time at the Academy. What are yeah. some of the things that stand out, some of the positive memories you have? Yeah. Um, you know, it's looking back, it's not like it was a complete negative experience, obviously. Um, I loved my time there for sure. I think, you know, one is I, I always think back to starting the Naval Academy dance team. Um, you know, that was kind of an example of itself of that challenge and just harnessing your passion and your intention. So I was part of the first ever Naval Academy dance team. Um, you had Gabby Cavins on the show. She was then Gabby, Gabby Scherer. Um, and she was our captain with uh, Shannon Lavin. And, you know, the Air Force Academy was doing it. They had a dance team. So we're like, why can't the Naval Academy have a dance team? So I hung up my track shoes and I try out for the dance team. Um, and I made it on a whim, no dance experience. But that was really one of those life-changing lessons where I realized, like, just go for it. Just try it, which is Mm. later why I ended up doing a pageant and Miss California and all of those things later in life. But, um, you know, then same kind of thing. People are like, that shouldn't qualify as a sport. You shouldn't be doing that during sports period or how dare you wear your hair down at football games or those yoga pants are unprofessional. They're too tight. And we're like they're jazz pants, you know? 
So we just had the absolute best time. And I really found like my niche and my group of women supporting me. Um, and I realized how powerful that is, especially in a male dominated environment. Um, so that was a huge, huge highlight. Um, also, you know, meeting my best friend, she, I met her, she's the very first person I met when I walked in on iDay. Um, she was my roommate, we ended up being best friends and roommates all four years and we're still best friends to this day, but just finding your person who, when everyone is telling you no, is saying like, yes, do that. You can do that. Like, that's amazing. Um, that really has taught me a lot about friendship and like the things you go through, obviously at the Academy, mm-hmm. but, um, that's really interesting. That's really interesting though. Everything you're saying about finding your girls and then mm-hmm. your roommate, um, because so many women, again, myself included, go through the academy and there's like this underlying competitiveness with other women, or you don't want to express yourself as a woman. You want to just kind of blend in and you, you just don't, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And it sounds like with the dance team, you really found not only a group of women to connect with and that you felt supported by, but an avenue to really express your femininity. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It was super fun to, you know, track, albeit I loved it and I'm so happy I did it for nine years, but it wasn't exactly like, you know, meets would come on Saturday and I was super pumped to go be feminine, you know, like I would still wear a full face of makeup and go run, you know, six miles, but (laughs) whenever the dance team came around, it was like our opportunity, you know, you put on the glitter eyeshadow and you wear your hair down and you go dance, you know, to Avicii during halftime. And it was like, yeah, it's like, I'm a woman. It felt amazing. But yes, those small, small things, like they turn into big things later. You realize how important they are. The Academy did that for me. It really, really did. It was like finding that group of women in that kind of environment. Um, that was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that is interesting because you were running up until that point. So how was that letting that go? Easy. (laughs) I was so (laughs) retired. I I say I'm retired now because I ran for nine years. So I was like, I didn't quit. I didn't quit the track team. I just, you know, time becomes so valuable and it still is very, very valuable. So if you're not doing something where you're excited you know, like you're not waking up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get this run in or I can't wait to go to practice or I'm so pumped for this meet. Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, and I get it. Some, there's certain things like I ran because I knew it would get me into college. It would get me a scholarship somewhere. Um, so I treated it very much like a job. But then I, you know, I got into the Naval Academy. I ran for the first two years and I thought, you know, I want something that I'm excited by. It's electric that, you know, really gets my blood pumping and gets me excited about, you know, whatever it is I'm doing in the afternoons. Cause you all have to do a sport at the Naval Academy, like most academies and the dance team did that for me. It was mm. So fun. It was so challenging. I mean, I kid you not, I was literally doing like track stretches at tryouts because <laughs> I couldn't do like quates and pirouettes and things like that. I was like, yep, sticking my leg out. Like I'm going to go run cross country. But, um, but I think it was, my excitement and my passion. And, um, again, just like the positivity that radiates is what helped me make the team. So that was very game changing for me at the Academy is finding, finding whatever it is that's going to make you excited because I wasn't thrilled about what I was studying. I was not an engineering major, really had a hard time with math and science. Um, but I knew I had to do it. That's what you got to do when you go to the academy. You got to push through those classes to graduate. And I wanted to be a naval officer, so I had to do it. So I found a couple of things that, you know, made me really enthusiastic and latched onto those. And that really helped make the process a lot more um, powerful for me. Yeah. And it it definitely sounds like it balanced out, you know, because the regimen is is tapping into that discipline side of you. And there was, you know that's all consuming. So now you finally had an outlet to balance that out. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, so now tell me a little bit about academics because you touched upon it a little bit, but what were you studying and how did that all go for you? Oof. Well, as I mentioned, we all know I took the SAT seven times. So if that's any indication of where I was at academically, 
it was going to be a long road, right? Like I wasn't hopping mm. into the academy and getting ready to skirt through uh, classes. Um, but I knew that. I mean, I knew I was going to have to buckle down, that it was going to be tough. It was going to be hard. You know, I was top of my class in high school and I was going to a school full of people who are top of their class. So you can't expect to be the best and the brightest when you get there. Like you already were that. Now every, everyone who is best and the brightest is going to the Naval Academy. Yeah, yeah. So I think like having that humbling conversation with yourself before you even go is super important. Um, so I erased any sort of distraction while I was there. Um, I had a passion for photography put that on hold for four years while I was there. I didn't pick it up until after the Naval Academy, I started my photography business. Um, I didn't, I wasn't super active on social media, didn't download Instagram, Snapchat, things like that while I was there to keep me focused. That was my job for four years. And I think my trick I heard when I was a plebe or a freshman, everyone said work hard, play hard. So I worked my butt off Monday through Thursday, I say Monday through Friday, Friday afternoon. Uh, and then I didn't study on the weekends, you know, unless there was finals or a super huge paper that was due. But for the most part, I really kept my Saturdays, Friday nights to relax, to wipe, you know, my, my stress away and to clean that slate. So that was what helped me stay like mentally stable because it's so overwhelming academically. Yeah. Um, but what did you end up studying? Uh, political science was my major. Okay. okay. But it, I mean, it's tough because it's not really like what you study unless mm -hmm. you're an engineering mm -hmm. major. I mean, it coincides with everything that we have to study, but at the Naval Academy, you're required to take physics one and two, chem one and two, electrical engineering one and two, thermodynamics, um, you know, all aerospace engineering. I took all of those. Those were my classes. So I say political science, but I'm like, okay, in reality, I took what, eight political science classes. So yeah, um, yeah. it's not like super indicative of what I learned, but, but yeah, I, I chose a major that I would have fun learning. And I was like, if I want to be the white house press secretary, I guess I should study political science. So did your goal, uh, did it change while you were there? Your goal of going into public affairs eventually and that whole path you outlined before, was that still the plan? Um, it changed politically for me when I, I did enjoy studying political science, but as I studied it, I realized how complex it was and you know, I was like, you know what, if I go into media later, I don't want to get into politics because it's less about media and it's more about politics. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so my dream of, you know, potentially doing white house correspondence for Fox news or something didn't really stay alive. I still wanted to do media up until about three years ago when I started getting into my preparation for Miss Ohio USA. Um, I got signed with a modeling agency and started having those conversations with people who were already in the industry. And they just let me know, you know, what you're looking forward to as far as working hours, pay, compensation, lifestyle. And I was like, oof, you know, I, I get paid pretty well now as a naval officer. And, um, you know, my lifestyle is very Monday through Friday. And I, you know, I don't know if anymore if I want to give that up. So mm. I kind of forged a different path, still really interacting with media, PR in my job in recruiting for the Navy, um, but not working like on screen as an anchor anymore. So when you were at the Academy, what did you hope to do when you graduated? Um, I, well, I was too short to fly. <laughs> so yeah. um, aviation was out of the, the pick for me. So um, I wasn't smart enough to be a submariner. Nuke, nuke school was not going to happen. Um, and then also canceled out Naval Flight Officer because I was too short to fly. So that left Marine Ground or um, Surface Warfare. And um, I did not want to be Marine. I grew up near Marines my entire life at Quantico. So that left Surface Warfare. And Surface Warfare is, is great if you have other goals. You know, you can get right yeah. into Surface Warfare, qualify, get your pen and transfer. So that was my goal. I'll be a surface warfare officer. I'll later be a public affairs officer. Did not go according to plan. <laughs> I was a surface warfare officer and then I got medically disqualified. So I became a human resources officer. Mm. 
best thing ever happened to me. I love being an HR officer and I love working in recruiting now. Mm. Everything always happens the way it's supposed to. It but, does. Uh, it really does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, were there any other highlights of the Academy that you wanted to touch upon? The memories that I was making was so different than my friends. You know, in the summers, yeah. I was on submarine cruises and I was climbing into torpedo tubes and the Navy was sending me to San Diego, California to go train at Coronado and fly in a jet, you know, in the back seat. And all of that was really amazing. You know, it, mm-hmm. that my experiences were just so far fetched above my peers who graduated with me in high school. That was astonishing. And I, I was always so grateful for those. Um, so there's definitely a long list of highlights with experiences and summer cruises and things like that. Um, but I feel like most midshipmen that go to the Naval Academy would also probably say the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Were there any lowlights you wanted to touch upon? I know you already touched upon some of it with the whole identity piece and being called vain. Um, was there anything else or specific, specific experiences you wanted to talk about? No, I think that was, that was pretty much in a nutshell, like what I was challenged with the most, or maybe most frustrated with or frustrated by, And, you know, if anything was good preparation for the fleet, because it's not going to change it, you know, I I came across the same barriers when I decided to get into modeling, when I decided to get into pageantry, the same sort of challenges, the same sort of people saying, why, why, why you shouldn't, you shouldn't. And, you know, when I reflect, I'm grateful that happened early on because that made me more self-aware of my intention and why I wanted to do those things. And I didn't let people stop me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so tell me then your first class year, uh, you're approaching graduation. Um, you decide that you're going to go surface warfare officer. That was the initial plan. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did that unfold for you? How did you end up where you ended up? Where did you end up? Oof. Um, it was tough. I tell you, they don't really give you a class on that transition at the Naval Academy, to be totally honest. They give you a lot of leadership classes and ethics classes about being an officer. So I felt fully equipped and ready to take on the challenges of being an officer. I mean, I didn't know anything yet. (laughs) I was an ensign, like, what do you know? Um, But I was very bright-eyed and excited and ready to hit the fleet However, um, the transition is, is mentally exhausting. You, you've never really been a real adult yet at that point. I mean, when you go to the service academy, everything's paid for, all your food is made, your laundry is done, um, you live on the same floor as 120 of your best friends. I lived with my best friend for all four years. I mean, basics you learn about paying rent or cooking for yourself or going grocery shopping, I had never done before. So I was sent to San Diego to report to my ship and I was excited. I was like, San Diego, wow. I'm going to have, you know, just like the movies, I'm going to have a cute little apartment. And then I landed and uh, a day later I called my mom and I said, if I buy your plane ticket, will you please come? (laughs) And so she flew out, landed, and I probably have never squeezed her tighter in my entire life because I was just so scared. I mean, it wasn't even just about being away from family. It was, I had no idea how to do anything. Mm. I literally didn't even know how to scramble eggs. Like, what was I, what was I doing now? Um, so that transformation, uh, super challenging. Um, so you're dealing with that emotionally. You're dealing with not really being in an environment where you're around all of these friends and peers. For four years, I was flooded with people who, you know, cared about brotherhood and sisterhood and, you know, really took care of me. And, you know, I had great friends and great company mates and my best friend and life was great. I was loving life, the Academy. Boom. Sent out to San Diego, you know, living with two roommates who were also on a C schedule. So they were not around. I was essentially living alone. 
that was really, really hard. So no one tells you like, oh, life's about to change completely, you know, going mm-hmm. into the fleet. And then on top of that, you, I was 21 years old and in charge of 26 sailors. Um, I was a first lieutenant on the ship, bosun's mate, or in charge of the bosun's mates. And granted, they were young, so that kind of helped a little bit. You know, it wasn't me being in charge of a bunch of like 35-year-olds. That would have been even more tough. But that you're, you're not just responsible for you. I mean, they have life problems, pay issues, family issues, DUIs. Like you have to handle that. So it was just – it was overwhelming that very mm. first year. They, I mean, like I said, there should be like a quick class on, by the way, everything's about to change because yeah. it will yeah. come May 25th when you throw your hat up in the air. It was, it was a lot for sure. But you know what? Eventually you find your footing and you find your people and you figure out your schedule and um, you find your balance. And it took me probably like three years to do that. <laughs> but eventually you do and it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about what you were doing and also how you started to balance out that other side of your personality in that new role. I kid you not. I was a very different person my very first year on the ship. And it's all part of that exploration and finding your true identity. I thought that I needed to be stern. I thought that I couldn't be bubbly. Um, no, I, I wanted to know my sailor. I wanted to let my sailors know that I cared, but I didn't want to be seen as anything that wouldn't be taking me seriously. But so I didn't, you know, I wasn't laughing. I wasn't goofy. It was, you know, my normal quirky self. And yes, I was still, you can still do those things and be professional, but I just thought you couldn't do them at all. Um, I would come home and be so exhausted from pretending the whole day. Yeah. I mean, I would literally face plant into the couch because I was so tired because not only are you trying to figure out how to be an officer, you're also trying to navigate a completely different personality. So you're doing twofold, twice the work. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, after that first year, I started just it's like letting my guard down and letting my, my LPO, my chief, everyone see me for me. And they loved it. They, you know, and they still respected me because I cared and I tried and I respected them as well. So um, my relationship with them was awesome. And it also made me realize like, I don't need to be someone else. Like if I'm not going to be, if I'm not the type of leader that's yelling and screaming and stern, like, okay, but I can still be a good leader. Um, I can build relationships with them and care about them and listen to them. Do you think though, that if you had gone in like that, that you would have been received the same way? No, probably not. Because, um, I think, I think it takes time. Yeah. And I, and I still apply the same thing to anywhere I report to. Um, you know, you can't just sometimes go full blown personality and be like, everyone will love me. Like, you need to like give people little snippets of your, especially me, <laughs> I have a big personality. So give people like snippets of you and who you are, but go in first being professional and show them that you are qualified and you're competent and set your standards early on so that way they don't walk all over you. Well, especially in a military environment mm-hmm. where there's already so many stereotypes and stigma around being a woman and creative expression and all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, if you go in there uh, with a lot of personality just in general and mm-hmm. then a lot of feminine personality and a lot of self-expression, um, look, I wish it wasn't this way, but right. I, I know that I was just curious because, you know, male-dominated environment, mm-hmm. you're going to get labeled certain things and probably cause it probably would cause more issues yeah. in the long run for sure. I think one of the first things you need to attack when you're going to any sort of new command or taking charge of sailors or whatever it is, um, setting those standards and be really, really firm on those standards and letting them know that you're not messing around. You know, you're yeah. not a pushover, you still firm and they'll come to respect that about you. Yeah. So even now, I mean I'm leading fifty six recruiters here. I mean, they can pop on my social media in a second and see that I'm a goofball. But when I'm with them, I flip that switch. I'm, you know, really professional. I listen to them, but I also tell them like, why is this late? 
why did you do it this way? I told you by this date, whatever it is so that they know I'm firm in those ways. Um, so I think that's super important. And eventually when they get it and they understand you and, you know, they're adhering to those standards that when it's when you kind of can let your guard down and, you know, show a little bit more of that quirky side, but absolutely. I mean, professionalism, it's a multifaceted game. You know, you have to figure out the right way of navigating your personality to make sure it fits the environment that you're in. Meanwhile, still being yourself, but also taken seriously for sure. Yeah. So I would think though that in your, your situation, you know, if you set that standard right away that you have that disciplined side and you're good at what you do and you take things seriously and you're professional that when you do let your hair down and you do start to express yourself that not everybody but many would respect you even more for being able to have both of those sides to you to you you know yes completely Um, agree that's and that's how it ended up wrapping up on the ship by my second year as I got ready to leave I was very close with my division and they felt very connected to me and still do. I mean, that was over four years ago and I still follow all of them on social media and get message from them. And they still call me their first LT and things like that, but they saw the real stuff. Like I'm not a robot and not all officers have to be robots. You don't have yeah. to hide away in your stateroom and not talk to them and not ask them how their weekend was or get to know them. Like think that's part of officership and leadership is like, know your people Um, And in turn, they got to know me as well. And they respected me more for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me what happened next. So after that ship, what was the career trajectory after that? Um, You asked how I expressed my creative side. While I was on ship, on my ship in San Diego, USS Pickney, I started feeling like I wasn't expressing my creative side. Like there was this whole other part of me Mm -hmm. that wasn't being exercised that's when I started my photography business. Ah. So I say that because I learned everything on my own, self-marketing, marketing, marketing, social media, business, all that. I learned that through my business. So with that being said, I um, was medically disqualified. I started having migraines and you can't be on a ship and have migraines. Fun fact, Um, which now I understand because I'm literally knocked out for like a day when I have a migraine. So yeah, you can't be in the middle of the, you know, the ocean and have to you know navigate and freaking deploy weapons and have a migraine. So that wasn't allowed. So I, I applied for HR, got picked up for HR and immediately was sent out to Columbus, Ohio. And I was pretty upset, big shift, but the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, 100% above all things I learned a ton. I learned, and also I was able to bring a completely different perspective to recruiting. I had a commanding officer who really empowered me. And she's like, you're the youngest person here. You're a young female. Like, what do you got for us? Cause we need new methods and new ideas in recruiting. Um, that's when I really started doing social media. Now um, I'm a social media lead for the Navy train hundreds and hundreds of sailors on social media marketing and how to recruit via social media, all which I learned by having my business because I had to teach myself. Um, And yeah, I did Miss Ohio USA upon reporting to Ohio because I wanted to make friends. I had no friends there. (laughs) I was (laughs) totally new. And I was like, I'd love someone to tell me an idea on how to meet people here. Okay. Wait, so pause there. So yeah. So how did that, who planted that seed? Uh, Miss Ohio? Yeah. Um, well, technically my mom, because she asked me, she was like, are you going to watch Miss America tonight? I was, it was two weeks before I moved to Ohio. I was in a barracks room in training at recruiting school in Penn School of Florida. And she's like, oh, are you going to watch Miss America? And I was like, I don't know. Threw it on TV, watched it. And I saw the women and they were super disciplined and smart and beautiful and connected and, and, you know, powering each other. And I was like, what a great way to meet people. I was like sitting there in my room. I was like, wow, that's an awesome idea. So I Googled it and I was like, why couldn't I do that? Like I can walk on stage. It's just, 
It's just hilarious, though, because like most people are like, I don't know, I'll go to a dog park or I'll go to a coffee shop <laughs> to meet new people. You're like, I'll just do Miss America or Miss I was Ohio. I like, I'll just do Miss Ohio. Yeah, I know. <laughs> those, those, my brain is so funny to me sometimes. I'm like, why not do that? Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I Googled it, reached out to them and they were like, oh, well, you're active duty. You're going to need permission from the Navy. And I was like, crap, I was going to keep this a secret. <laughs> like, yeah. I had every intention of keeping it a secret because like the Navy didn't even like when I wore lipstick. Like you think they're going to be okay with like, yeah, go on stage in a bikini. Yeah. Super cool. So every intention of keeping it a secret. And I had to ask my CEO for permission the day I checked in of my Ooh. command because the competition was a month away. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I like hop on it. So luckily my CEO was this like excited, spunky woman and was asking, she was like sitting there thinking like, oh, new energy, you're young, like give me all the ideas. And I'm like, this is the perfect time to say it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, well, ma'am, I have an idea for you. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on Miss Ohio USA? And she was like, I love it. And I was like, yes, woo. <laughs> so, um, got her support, which in turn, I had a route paperwork. I had to get support from the secretary of the Navy to compete and did it at my very first competition. And it's hilarious to me now because I did not know a single thing about pageantry. I'd never done a pageant in my entire life, but I did Miss Ohio USA to meet women succeeded. I met amazing women. I was voted Miss Congeniality my very first year, placed in the top 15. Um, and again, that's where, that's where my passion for kind of spearheading this movement for women in uniform, especially not being afraid to be yourself because I realized how rare it was. Not a single woman in the Navy had ever gone to Miss USA. So many people attacked me for doing a pageant, but also so many people encouraged me and were like, just by you doing Miss USA, I, you know, now I, I feel confident enough to wear mascara. And I was like, well, that's if it's the tiny wins here, folks, like if that's what encouraged yeah. you. So I kept doing it because of that, because there was nothing negative that was coming from the experience. Um, but yeah, that's what, you know, I, I competed every year. I lived in Ohio. I was top five my final year. And then I moved to Los Angeles in October um, and decided to compete one last time before I aged out and I competed in Miss California, USA, and I was runner up here. Wow. Okay. All right. So, so tell me, so that's that creative side to you, but you're still in the Navy. So what happened yes. with, you're still in HR then? Yes. Okay. And I've been in recruiting the entire time. Okay. Um, requested and, to do double tours and recruiting. Okay. And what's the plan? What's next? Um, well, I, I have a couple things in mind. Um, I'm been loving recording my podcast. Um, still kind of sh doing the motivational speaking. I was really hoping to launch a motivational speaking series this year. Didn't happen. So the podcast is my biggest outlet, but you know, I aged out through Miss USA. So no more Miss USA competitions for me, but um, I am potentially going to pursue more aggressively modeling, um, as well as drum roll, hmm. uh, sports illustrated swim. So nice. that's the next big thing. It's super scary, but yeah, they've never had a woman in the Navy be in sports illustrated. So huh. let's see friends what we can make happen here. Wow. That's incredible. I can tell you, listen, I, I went, I went down a little modeling path myself and, uh, I mean, I am not like you, like I am not bubbly. I am not, I don't have that side of myself. Like I'm pr pretty reserved, but, uh, whoo, the amount that That's I so learned funny. just getting in front of a camera about like just sexual expression and femininity. I mean, yes. and you're taking it to a whole level that like, I just, who I can appreciate how that pushes your boundaries in so many ways. And even with your mm -hmm. personality, I mean, you just said it like, this sounds like, I mean, for me, just getting in front of a camera was like, okay, listen, <laughs> like, this is, this is a lot for it me. It is terrifying. It's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. It, like these models make it look so easy. Yes. Um, but 1 it million is. percent. 
Yeah, it's you see not. them on Instagram and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe she's just modeling. And I'm like, yeah, have yeah, you yeah. done that? Have yeah. You done it? No. Yeah. <laughs> you feel so, well, for me, because I'm a little more reserved, I felt so awkward like posing and, and then expressing myself. I just, oof. So I have like a lot of respect for what you're trying to do. And it sounds like Sports Illustrated is like the next level of pushing your comfort zone. So that's, that's so yes. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's terrifying. My, um, my coach who I still work with, I worked with him for Miss USA and I still work with him today. He brought it up a few months ago and I was like, no, that's scary. I was like, I don't know anything about that. And then I started thinking about it and I started doing research and it's, you know, like sports illustrated swimsuit or like swimsuit modeling is not a dirty word at all. Um, you know, these women are, first of all, so healthy in shape, they work their butts off. Um, but they're also extremely confident. And now, especially in their magazine, they're including all kinds of bodies, all kinds of women, all kinds of figures. And I love that because there really is no cookie cutter idea of beauty. Um, I mean, last year they included a woman who was 56, Um, They included a woman who lost all of her hair. They included a woman who is pursuing dental school. um, And like, that's amazing to me. Um, So the more research I've done, I'm like, this really does align with my goals, but it's just scary. I mean, that's just a completely different ball game of of modeling and competition. And putting yourself out there and self-expression. It's everything. It is. It is. So I I even have to become comfortable with it, but I always, you know, I just channel the words that JFK once said, if not me, then who? So might as well. (laughs) Yeah. I like to add to that. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? Yes. So true. So I love that. All right. So, um, so what about your Navy career? You getting out, you staying in? The million dollar question, friends. Um, I don't know. That's my big answer. <laughs> That's fair um, enough. Fair enough. I uh, I love the Navy. I do. I love the Navy. Um, if it works out, I would like to stay in for 20, 30 years, just like my father did. But for anyone who's in service, they understand the difficulties of navigating your career with your family, with your spouse. Um, my boyfriend and I, you know, we want to get married in the next couple of years and he has a full-time career too. So I, he, he picked up and moved to Los Angeles with me, um, picked up, a, you know, his flourishing career to come out here to LA and he now has a new career, but there's only so much you can do that with your partner. You've got to figure out yeah. and navigate that with each other. So lots to think about. I mean, he loves the Navy. He's never been in the Navy a day in his life, but he's a bigger proponent than I am. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, let's stay in the Navy. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. Um, Yeah, yeah, I do love it. I keep telling myself as long as I'm having fun. Yeah. I'll stay in. So we'll see. I love it. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, All right, Kelly. I could talk to you for hours here. I I know, I know. I I was going to ask you, you know, how do you feel about your decision to attend a federal service academy? But it's pretty clear. We know the answer to that. You've made (laughs) it clear. Um, So do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow service academy sisters? Yeah. Stop being scared. Everything kind of goes back to being scared to be yourself, being scared of what other people think, being scared to take the next steps, being scared of doing something different being scared to go to a service academy. Like I get it. It's easier to say than do, but it's been scary along the way. It's been scary to do Miss Ohio. It's been scary to go into the Navy. It's been scary to be the only person that, you know, really wanted to be feminine in the entire command. Like scary to do all those things, but by golly, it is so rewarding when you push through it and you come out on the other end, a better more confident version of yourself. You're so secure with yourself after you go through those scary moments. And like you said, you know, if not me, then who, if not now, then when you're just going to keep pushing off things that you're thinking about because you're scared. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that the Naval Academy made me comfortable with being uncomfortable because I really face things head on now and anytime I've been terrified, it's typically paid off. Yes. 
And when you start doing that, when you start getting comfortable with feeling a little uncomfortable, you actually start to fear not feeling a little bit scared because you're like, I'm not growing. I'm stagnant. <laughs> you, like yeah. if you're not a little exactly. bit scared, you're not growing at a certain point, you know? So right. 100%. yeah, that was beautifully stated, Kelly. I love it. Awesome advice. 100% agree. Um, and you know, Thank this you is so kind of, kind of a random question because it's like, you know, what's one random fun fact about you, but your whole life is like one random fun fact. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Adventure it is. Everyone Every time someone says, like, name a fun fact, I'm like, which one? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us something totally unrelated to everything you just shared. <laughs> I am, let's see, I am the tallest person in my family. When I wear, like, one-inch heels, I am taller than my dad. But I'm only 5'2", <laughs> and I'm taller than everyone in my family usually eye level with my father if I wear heels. So. Oh my gosh. That is, that is great. That is so great. I had no idea I came from a family of midgets until I got into the Naval Academy. And I was like, (laughs) everyone's so much taller than us. (laughs) They're like, yeah, most of us don't come from sisters that were like 4'10". I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) That is great. That is an awesome and fun, fun fact to end on Kelly for sure. Um, All right. Well, before we go, where can people reach you? Yes. So um, if you want to hear more messages, stories, you can find me on my own podcast at misunderstood.podcast with two S's. My social media is at Kelly Renee Hall and my Navy account is at Lieutenant Hall if you're wanting to find some Navy inspo or questions. So reach out via any of those platforms and I typically will have an answer for you about something, whatever you want to know. I love it. (laughs) All right, Kelly, I love your energy. uh, And thank you for sharing your story with the rest of the Service Academy sorority. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.